I'm Dan Bardell and welcome to 1874, the podcast that will bring you the definitive word on Aston Villa Football Club every single week. I'm joined by the Athletics Aston Villa writer, Greg Evans. Hello, Greg. Hi, Dan. Greg and I are very fortunate to have been joined by a very special guest. It's the man who I don't think ever scored a tap-in. In fact, did you ever score a tap-in in your career? Because you definitely didn't score one for Villa. I didn't score for Villa, but some of the goals for other clubs I did, yeah. Yeah, it's the hammer, Thomas Hitzelsberger. Really been looking forward to this going over it. His time at Villa, it was a great time in your life as well, wasn't it? Uh, absolutely, yeah, because I, I went to Birmingham to play for Villa to A, become a professional football player and learn a lot about life in general and, and to, to grow up and everything happened, you know, in those five years. Uh, great memories, you know, it's a long time ago, but uh, they're fond memories and, and I'm really glad that I, I spent five years at Villa. Yes, yeah, so we're going to take a, a massive trip down memory lane for, for you now. I mean, you've told this story before but the the way you came to Villa was a little bit naughty wasn't it uh I don't think so <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> didn't, didn't you should go over there secretly Boyan didn't know that you were there and this is uh it's not easy actually because nowadays when I talk to some of our kids at Stuttgart Academy and you know we obviously try to keep them you know yeah. the best ones for a long time and if they find out that I was in the academy at Bayern and then I just disappeared for a week. I didn't tell my manager at the time, the under-19s manager, that I would spend a week in, in Birmingham to train with Villa. Uh, it came out you know, unexpectedly somehow because I, I trained well in, in, in that week for Villa and all the people who saw me there, they said, like, I, you really don't have a contract at Bayern because we are keen on getting you. So it, the message got crossed to, to Munich. Uh, Uli Hoeneß found out and, and they wanted me to come back and they, they weren't quite happy that I didn't tell them. What's that like? It must be such a weird situation. You're a, you're a Bayern Munich player, but you're basically just 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 at Villa for the week in the training. I take it you were training with the, the academy players at the time. Was there anyone we'd, we'd know that you, that you trained with at that point? At Villa, you mean? Yeah. Um, I mean, the academy players, it's it's like I said, it's a long, long time back, but I wasn't only training with the academy players because, you know, I could see them. I was pretty decent. Okay. Um, I mean, uh, obviously every Villa, Villa fan remembers J. Lloyd Samuel, but he was in the academy at the time and he was also kind of between academy and first team. So I remember him, of course. And um, But I did get some training sessions with the first team. You know, and that's something I've never experienced at Bayern and, and it helps when, you, when you're when you at a Premier League club yeah. and you get the opportunity to train with, with first team players. Uh, Benito Carboni that was there. I think it was a cup game and then I watched him. Paul Merson was at the club and some other legends. So I got a taste of it, loved it. Uh, and I, I, I think it was mutual that they thought I was good enough to play for Villa and it wouldn't take me long to get into the first team. What was it like going from Munich to Birmingham? Because it must be a massive culture shock. I mean, I'm, I love Birmingham. I, I, I think it's a great place. But it's very, very different from, from Munich, isn't it? Very different. Uh, of course, uh, the thing for me was that I was, you know, I grew up in a, in a family with six siblings. I'm the youngest of seven. Um, you know, really good upbringing, um, quiet lifestyle. And, and family meant everything and still means everything to me. But then everything is protected and you, you jump on a plane and you get off in Birmingham and you think like, I know nothing about Birmingham. I, I knew of England, of course, but I've never been anywhere like Birmingham before. And that week was, was special because it's all about how people treat you. Uh, and I knew the Premier League, but I didn't know any Villa player. You know, I didn't know much about the club. And when I flew over, that was kind of beginning for me with using the internet. My brother, he printed off a lot of details about the club, you know, Wikipedia, okay, the basic stats about Villa. So that would, when I show up and people ask me that I could give some reasonable answers, I wanted to find out as much as possible. 
but um, it was a big change, but I have to admit, and that was my experience at all the clubs I played for in England. People are extremely friendly. You know, you're there and uh, they take it hard if, yeah. if, if you actually, you know, enjoy being there. And that's what I think they got from me. Um, I thought it was a great opportunity. Um, people are ever so kind to me. And that's why it was fantastic. What was the first training session like, Thomas? Did you have to really feel like you needed to stamp your authority down on it? Or was it quite nerve-wracking for you? It was nerve-wracking, of course. For the first time in, in my career, I had to do like a one-week trial. You know, I was at Bayern for 11 years in total and suddenly you're at, uh, abroad at a Premier League club and everyone's looking at you and you're trying to leave a good impression. Uh, and I could see us doing some drills, running drills, and everyone's like observing you. And the word goes round, the guy's from Bayern Munich. Why is he here? How good is he? And I could quickly see that I had a strong left foot. Uh, so they wanted to see that in training. So we had a session in, 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 not in the gym, but indoors. You know, we were playing sort of five a side. And, and the manager always tried to encourage me to shoot from everywhere. <laughs> and so people could say, you know, I've got a really strong left foot. And I scored some great goals even in training that impressed people. Uh, and it was great because I could tell people really paying attention. You're, you feel like everyone's watching you. Uh, some pressure. But it was nice because I got a lot of compliments as well. What did you make of, of John Gregory when you first joined? I always tell people when and say in, in England, the expression gaffer, what it means. And I think nowadays when you look at managers in, in, in England, especially foreign managers, I wouldn't call them gaffer. Maybe I'm wrong. But John Gregory is a gaffer. Yeah. That was my experience. You know, I heard the expression for the first time. I was like, what does that mean? Gaffer, gaffer. And you can't just say to him he's a manager or sometimes they say boss. But he's a gaffer. He, that's when I think of a gaffer, it's John Gregory. His authority, I could, you know, I could see him watching for the first half from the stands, and then during the second half, he would walk down. And everyone's like going up and getting really excited. Um, I thought he's a great character. Um, it was a great introduction for me into English football because that was really English football. You know, it's not like you're in a big city like London; everything is so international. This was England. You know, in the middle of England. Uh, most of my teammates, either English, Scottish, Irish, you know, there's hardly anyone could speak a little bit of German. Uh, and there's no better way of learning a language and getting to know the culture. Did you struggle with the language at all? Because obviously your English is, is very, very good. And I remember it being, being very good when, when you were at Villa. But initially, how good was your English when you, when you first joined? It wasn't, wasn't that good. Um, there was basics were there, of course, but it was a total new experience. I used to learn English at school, so I had the, the, the basics, like I said. But then when you're in the dressing room and, and you know, like I said, you have guys from Ireland, Northern Ireland, Scotland, you think, oh, what is going on in here? <laughs> I couldn't understand much in the beginning. Uh, but you learn quickly, like I said, you know, I was forced to, to learn um, English with a Brummie accent, which I ended up doing. Uh, and it's, it shows the appreciation. And, and I understood that. And people say they have to know that you enjoy being there um, and by learning the language. And the, the quicker you learn it, the more people realize you actually want to be here. Um, and that's why I, I tried to learn as, as quickly as possible. I was forced to, and, and I'm glad because that's given me a lot of confidence and has helped me later on in my life to, I'd say, be successful. So the, the deal was done. You signed for Villa. And can, can you remember your debut? And just, just talk us through it. The debut, I think the first appearance was against Liverpool at home at Villa Park for a few minutes. We were 3-0 down. Correct. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> because I think uh, some might think they, 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 when I came on against Man United at Old Trafford was the first one, but that was the second appearance. So it was the first season. I didn't really know where they see me. Do they see me in the first team? Uh, was I being regarded as a, as a, a reserve team player? Because... 
during the week I trained with the first team most of the time, but I played for the reserves and uh, I was playing for the reserves with a very young team. We would go to Liverpool and Newcastle and get hammered at times. And you think, you know, go on a Wednesday night playing a rugby pitch, you get 6-0 hammered and you go home and you think, well, what is going on here? <laughs> Uh, and I'm never going to play for the first team because I didn't perform. So I started with high hopes in that I was keen on getting into the first team. Towards the end of the first season, I saw myself playing for the under-19s and I wasn't happy at all. But in that first season as well, because I was training with the first team, John Gregory eventually gave me the opportunity to be in the squad uh, against Liverpool at home. And because we already had lost the game 3-0, he thought, just give the guy a run out and give him the experience. And and I loved it, of course, because there was some, uh, just the atmosphere. I know some had already left the stadium, but uh, the other team, some German, you know, guys like Didi Hamar and Marcus Barber, Christian Tiger, you know, you swap your shirt. Did I swap the shirt? I can't remember. <laughs> but anyway, I could say I've played in a Premier League and, and that meant so much for me. Did you expect to get more of a chance that season? Because as you say, you didn't really feature at all, but I imagine when you signed, you, you wouldn't have been guaranteed, but you would have expected to, to get more opportunities. Because that Liverpool game, there was a lot of injuries, if I remember correctly, and that, that's why you were on the bench, yeah? Probably, yeah. That's um, that's just how it happens. Of course, you think, you know, I'm training, I'm training well, everything is going well, but then I'm playing the reserves and I wasn't playing well enough. Uh, and also, my impression was John Gregory just was more comfortable with established players. You know, like I said, there were some real big legends in this team, and uh, which is understandable. But I thought at times I would have been good enough to to get an opportunity, but it didn't happen. It was a, a steep learning curve for me. And also, you settle in, you leave your family uh, in a, in a different country. It takes time to adapt, which I underestimated. Merson was there. Tyler Boating, Hendra, Janola yeah. was there. Was Janola there? Came the same year as I did. I did it. But was it was it like training with Janola and Merson? Phenomenal, really, because when when I arrived, uh, uh, Alpe Ozalan was there. Yeah. Um, Paul Merson was there. Of course, David Janola came that same year. Luke Nillis, that was the year Luke Nillis came oh, yeah, in. and got had this horrible injury, which ended his career. Uh, Peter Schmeichel, I think, came the year after. Yeah. But David James was in goal. Uh, Gareth Barry, Lee Henry, so they're all big names, and you think. You know, this is really, really impressive what's going on there. Um, and I just soaked it all up and I thought, just give yourself a bit of time. But of course, because I had a two-year contract, you think like, this wasn't the best of years I've had. Am I going to go back to Germany? Was it just, you know, a good two-year experience? And it all changed in year two. Yeah, so year two, you end up going to Chesterfield for a little bit, didn't you? What was that like? <laughs> Uh, even though it was just a short spell, I think five weeks, five and a half weeks in total, um, that changed something, you know, within yeah. me, um, you know, because I'd heard of, of the trials that, you know, in England, you can go on a four week trial or a three months trial and that didn't exist in Germany, still doesn't to that, to that day. And, and then I thought, interesting concept, but they're not going to do that with me because, you know, I'm from Bayern Munich, I'm there, I want to get into Villa's first team. I don't want to play in League Two or something uh, because it's just, that's not me and, and that's not the club's plan to do that. And one day, um, Kevin McDonald came up to me and said, there's a, there's a request from Chesterfield. And Stefan Moore was uh, same time, uh, they requested him to, to play for Chesterfield. And, and I, I thought, well, can you tell me, do you think that's a good idea for my development? Um, because it just came out of the blue. And he said, yeah, I think that's what you need, first team football. You need a uh, different experience. You know, you train well, everything's going okay, but that's the next step. You know, the pressure, you know, it's, it's proper football, uh, a lot of long balls and, and just different style. And that's what you need. And I thought, well, if he knew me uh, well enough and he was kind of a driving force to get me to Villa initially, 
So I trusted him and it was brilliant. I loved it. I really did uh, because you may ask me about the first experience, but if you don't, then I'll tell you anyway. Uh, so that first day, you know, you drive up to Chesterfield, which is quite a long drive, you know, if you have to drive there from Birmingham every day. And, uh, and I sit in the dressing room and I'm waiting that someone kind of brings me the kit, but nobody does. And it's like, where's my kit? And I said, well, we haven't got any. Didn't you bring your own? I said, no. Why would I bring my own kit? So I was asking several players, oh, I've got an extra pair of socks. I've got you know, some shorts and here's a T-shirt. And that's how I started. And wow. of course, you know, after training, you shower and it's cold. And you think like, oh my God, what did I get myself into? Because we were all spoiled playing for big clubs and suddenly you end up there. But that was the same again. You go there and people like, we want him to be here. We think he's a good player. He can help us. And I just like a completely different word. But it's like, I need this. You know, this really helps me. Um, and then I had a four-week trial. And I wanted to extend it. I loved it. And a week later, I was called back by Villa. But those five weeks were, were phenomenal. I remember playing at Cardiff, where I thought I had the best game in my career. Nobody's <laughs> ever seen it. It wasn't, it wasn't on telly. But it's just that joy that you have when you play football. It's, you have a lot of possession, you know. And, and you realize, like, I, I think I can have a good career because, I, you know, we're, this is decent football. And... And I can play a major role in this. Uh, I have to prove here, and I think I've proven there that I'm good enough for that league. So I can move up the next level. Uh, and it was a really good stepping stone. And uh, I was treated really well at Chesterfield. Uh, had a great time. It was only five weeks. Was that, obviously you talked about you playing in the, in the reserves and the youth team and saying that you didn't think you gave the, the best account of yourself. Chesterfield is it's different, isn't it? Because you're playing, it's a competitive game. You're playing against men, people always. So do you think enough players go and experience that nowadays especially in England do you think youth players are too comfortable because that, that's what you are your comfort zone going go and doing that and, and playing, playing for Chesterfield do you think more youth players should, should, should take that experience on board well there is now the way for top talents in England they go abroad they play in Holland and some of them come to Germany to play in the Bundesliga and the second Bundesliga that's one way of doing it which is a great move but I'm sure there are still uh, some talents at Premier League clubs who go, you know, division lower or two maybe to to get that experience. I can't say that in general what it's like in England nowadays. Um, I've benefited from it. And again, it's down to, to every individual. Are you ready to do this? Uh, are you really willing to do it? You know, are you at the right club at the right time? Uh, you've got to be fortunate as well. You, you must not underestimate it. If, if you try to attain me, go there, and let's say, the second game, the manager you know, gets sacked and you get a new manager and he doesn't like you. These things happen in football almost every day. Uh, so I was fortunate as well, but you need the determination of the players to, to be actually saying, I'm dropping down a couple of leagues and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting this experience and come back stronger. Um, it certainly has helped me. There was a managerial change quite early into your Villa career as well. Just just talk us through that and your feelings when that, when that happened. Uh, it was... From the best thing for me personally that could have happened because under John Gregory um, I settled in in English football uh, at Villa and um, and I thought I'm here to play first team football and, and when Graham Taylor came in and this is just in a way it's bizarre because he watched a reserve team game we played at Villa Park uh, and, and he was there to watch it when he when he took over 
And and he came back and said, you know, I want you against Man United. You're in the squad. You're in, on the bench. And I was like, okay, that's 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 new to me. Um, and he trusted me right from the start. And I did. I didn't think that I would that I played much better that night for the reserves than I did the, in previous weeks. Yeah. But Graham Taylor thought, you know, I like your qualities. Uh, you can do the job for me in the first team. And he he threw me in. You know, I was on the bench and I came on. I think around the 70th minute at Old Trafford. And and that's the moment when you have to deliver. You know, they see, have you got the quality or you, you cave in, you think like, it's too big of an occasion. Of course, I think we were 2-0 down. You guys know better. We were all well. We were losing. We were definitely <laughs> we were losing. losing. Yeah. As, as usual at Old Trafford. <laughs> and of course, that's that's the moment uh, that's always there for young players. Can they turn things around? How do they respond to it? A big occasion. And, and I think I've, I've left an impression on the manager and, and the next home game was against West Ham and I was in the starting lineup, and that changed everything. Do you think you would have gone if John Gregory had stayed? Because your yeah, contract was up at the end of that season, wasn't it? Do you think you'd have ended up leaving Villa if John Gregory had stayed on? I don't know. I don't know, but it would have been difficult to stay on. Um, it depends on the club always, whether they think this is a talent we want to keep. Uh, he hasn't just he hasn't managed over two years to break into the first time, but we still believe that he needs a bit more time and then he will help us. Uh, it would have been more difficult. So for me, it was, was good. There was a managerial change. I remember that West Ham game because Graham Taylor brought Gareth Barry back into the team. He'd fallen a little bit out of favour under, under John Gregory. So J. Lloyd Samuel was, was in at full-back as well. I think he made the, made the winning goal for Vassell at the end of that game. But what was that like playing at Villa Park for the first time, starting a game as the main man in midfield? Yeah, uh, it was a man of the match performance, and and again, as I said, you know, the first step was at Old Trafford, getting about twenty minutes game time, and you think like, yeah, I enjoyed this, and and I, you know, I was running around and and stuff, and giving my best shot, and then you actually start, you're in the team, and you've got to deliver in front of the home fans, uh, and sometimes the pressure can be too much, and you sort of don't, and and you you are not capable of of putting in the performance that you show in training. And, and I was happy that this pressure uh, spurred me on to put on a good performance. And, and, and that was it. Um, I was nervous, you know, I was really nervous. Uh, but the, the nerves kind of channeled everything and, and I, I was running around and trying to take shots. And, and people took notice of me. Fans liked that. I don't think you ever picked up the ball at Villa Park without someone screaming shoot. I don't know when it all happened, when it started. Yeah. Probably after your first banger, I would, I would have thought, yeah. Maybe, mate. Uh, no, probably not, because the first goal, and I'm asking you, when did I score my first goal in the Premier League for Villa? Leicester. Very good. Did you rock with your right foot as well? Exactly. Exactly. So they didn't start screaming after that. <laughs> Wasn't the best celebration, if I, if I remember. It was horrible. Let's not talk about that one. But it's... Yeah, eventually it came up that the fans would, you know, shout shoot when whenever I had the ball, and, and you know this I never experienced it before. I don't know how it came up, and and you think how do we treat this? What am I going to do? Uh, but it's again a, a, a confirmation of a, we like this guy. He's got some quality. You want to see that because it, it separates you from the rest somewhat, and um, I loved it. Do you ever think they were booing you? <laughs> yeah, it's very, say, very yeah. similar, isn't it? The, the sound of the booing and, and, and the show. Uh, I hope not. Uh, I think there were some fans of booing me as well, but the majority would, would encourage me to shoot. Um, you know, it happens and you don't know what does it mean. How do I have to respond to it? You're trying to stay focused. The manager's a plan. He tells you what to do and, and the fans have a different plan and you want them to be happy, but you've got to do what you have to do. And sometimes it helped. Uh, because as I said, that helped me as well to raise a profile uh, 
in combination with a nickname, the Hammer. Uh, and that was unique and people to this day still call me the hammer. After your first couple of games or the first game you was nervous, did, did you feel like those nerves sort of faded away and you, you, you just sort of grew into your character then? Most of the time I was nervous uh, yeah. and I think most players are nervous right. uh, uh, to different degrees. Some are just a little bit nervous and some are very, very nervous in every game they play. Is that, is that nerves of feeling like you're not going to perform as well as you know you can? Is that what it is? A little bit of everything. Um, and, and as I said, you have different games in your career. Um, probably, not say the most important, but there are massive games. Like I play in the semi-final of the European Championships. You know, you're in a starting lineup. You think like, this is big. You know, you want to perform. And then you have uh, your league game number 120 or something. You think like, I've seen this before, I've done this before, maybe you are in the middle of the table, there's not too much pressure, it's a little bit easier. Still nervous because you want to perform, um, but it's not the same kind of nerve that you show when you're in the starting lineup in the uh, semi-final in Euros. But um, I got used to it, I coped with it, and fortunately, as I said, those nerves, the, the tension helped me to, to perform most of the time, but there were other games uh, that we do not want to discuss today <laughs> that weren't so good. Did, did you feel like over your Villa career, I mean, we'll go obviously more in depth as, as we go on, but did you feel like you performed better in the games against the better teams, you know, the really high pressure games or the games that are relatively easier or didn't it make any difference for you? Um, I <clears throat> wouldn't say it made a difference. I had good performances, I got good good teams, bad performance, I got good teams and, and the other way around. Um, of course, it often depended on, on the team I was playing in. If I had felt, you know, we are a really strong team, you can beat anybody, you can beat the best teams and it's fine. If you're sort of left to yourself and you think like, you know, we don't have a really good game plan, you know, some of the players have quite nervous and it doesn't go for them and you come up a really good against a good team Man United for example at the time with Ronaldo and Beckham of course Roy Keane you know those top draw players played against Paul Scholes even you know with 2-3-0 up you can still lose that game and they were so dominant that you had to be at your best but they were good games you know I enjoyed playing against Chelsea our record against Chelsea wasn't too bad Arsenal they, they weren't a team that would really hurt you in, in a sense that Man United hurted you like, you know, they hurt you physically, mentally, everything. And, and those were the big games. Difficult, of course, but it was always nicer to, to beat big teams and, and put on performances. That happened, but uh, I remember some bad games against good teams as well. It shows you how quickly things can change, though, doesn't it? Because you're possibly thinking you might be on your way out of Villa and then a month or two later, you, you're in the team, you're playing every week, you end the season playing every week, score your first goal, new contracts, and then going into the, into the next season, Graham Taylor's got some different different ideas to, to what John Gregory would have had so he's wanting to promote youth players play, play younger players and you that next season not as if the team's built around you but you're, you're a big part of what that team's expected to, to do yeah. going into that season so it's, it's different from the summer you would have had 12 months earlier where you just want to break into the team suddenly you're one of the first names on the team sheet yeah. at a young age having not played that many Premier League games what, what was that summer like do you think Grant Tyler tried to do a little bit too much too soon Difficult to say uh, because I was I was really happy that the club you know has given me an opportunity. I, I performed well enough, so they wanted to extend my contract, and I didn't have to think about whether I want to go back home or not. Yeah. Uh, so it was it was so obvious that you know my future lies at Villa in in England. Um, so that was gone now out of my mind. I could focus on football, and I was 
not say an established Premier League player, but I was you know, one of the first players in midfield that the manager would turn to and yeah. say, you know, I want you in the team. But I didn't take it for granted, so I would go back home in the summer, take my time, prepare for the next season. I always worked hard even in the summer to get myself ready again for, for pre-season. And I wouldn't say that because the season itself, you know, I got many games in, but I would never complain. Uh, was it too soon? Some might say so. I would never uh, agree to that because I've been given the opportunity. I was, I think, 20 at the time, and that's not too early in your life. And, and I, I got enough games. And like I said, it went up and down. And, and that's something I had to deal with. Because you had, you had a good season. Uh, you probably look back on that season with a lot of fondness. But in general, it, it was a struggle for Villa. It was a struggle for Graham Taylor, wasn't it? It was a, it was a hard, I remember it being a hard season. I think um, we spent more time in the bottom half of the table than in the top half. And that was... Also a new experience because you're more responsible now. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a team, I'm more or less a regular, and we are fighting relegation. Um, this adds to the pressure and you think, of course, such a big club, we can't get relegated, we don't want to get relegated, we've got to get out of this. And we managed it. I think two or three games for the end of the season, we secured uh, Premier League status and, and that was good to know. But you suddenly are there and you have to deal with the day-to-day pressures, like having to keep the club uh, in, in the Premier League. Now it's a different scenario, of course. Uh, times have changed, uh, but it was important because we were looking at the top. We wanted to possibly qualify for Europe or at least be at top half of the table and, and we found ourselves on the, on the wrong end of the table. When you were in that relegation battle or when you were trying to, as a team, improve, who, who were the players that you would have turned to and think, that man, that player can get us out of a hole? What are your memories of, of those type of players that can just maybe produce that moment of magic or just guide you through some tough times as a team? Olof Melberg, you know, he was really solid at the back and Juan Pablo Angel up front, you know, those two players that come to mind immediately and say, you know, they've, they've got the confidence, they've got the, the quality to, to do exactly that. It's, it's unfair to just put, you know, the pressure on their shoulders and Gareth Barry, he, he, he continued to become a better player. So you, you look at them and you think, you know, they're, they're the ones that can help you out. You look around and you think we've got a lot of quality here, enough at least to, to, to do well in, in, the, in the league. Uh, but then it just changes your your approach and, and you say, we're in this position, we've got to get out of it. And, and often you don't have enough players who've had who have been there before and know what it takes. You think like, we should be good enough to, to stay in the league, but what we're going to do next? And then it's often down to the manager to do the right things, either change the system, change some players to get out of the misery. I think uh, um, Albeck was there as well. They had a massive squad that season. There were so many players he brought in. Ronnie Johnson, Mark Kinsella, Blair Nartson all came in the summer. Suddenly, like getting all these, not journeyman players, but players have been around <coughs> yeah. the Premier League. And we had, we had a big squad to, to yeah. choose from. Do you think he never really settled on his best 11 that season? Difficult for me to say. Um, that it goes too far back now, so to say whether that was, that was the reason for it. As you said, some of them household names, and, and you'd think, you know, we're going to be fine, and, and that wasn't the case. So this could be one. Uh, idea why we didn't perform at our best and uh, maybe too big of a squad so you you can touch that better than I do. With with Juan Pablo what was he like around the place you know we, we obviously only seen him on the pitch what was he like behind the scenes? He was always there to score goals you know selfish to a degree that you think that's what you need from a striker you know he you know, after training do some extra work do some finishing because you want to get in those positions where you could score goals um, you know, he would always tell me like 
possible to me, pass it to me. It's like, okay, don't even think of passing it to somebody else. You know, I'm your man. And and you like that because you can you can trust that player. You know he wants the ball. And and often, of course, when, when things go pear-shaped, as a player, it's like, uh, I'm not comfortable now, especially midfield, like, under pressure, don't pass the ball to me. I've got to find a better position. Pablo's always like, play it to me. You know, I'm going to sort it out. And that's good to know. You need players with that confidence. That's uh, That was really helpful. And he was a great finisher and a great guy um, because he just loved football. I'm sure he does to this day. He, he loves it. He he loved, like, like myself, you know, you come to come to England, you don't know what to expect. And suddenly you realise that people, they like you. I mean, in his case, they loved him yeah. and they still do. Uh, because he always wanted to score goals and, and he loved what he was doing and you could tell by looking at how he played. Olaf, obviously behind you, leading the way, so to speak. But j- just give us a bit of insight to him. But again, we only see him on the pitch. What was he like behind the scenes? I don't know why he uh, spent so much time on the pitch because he wasn't training at all. <laughs> he wouldn't train during the week and you think, how can he play on a weekend? So he would, you know, rest for four days and then join training on a Friday, you know, last training session. And he'd play on a Saturday he played well. Uh, so he was a phenomenon. Uh, he, he had, early in his career, he had problems with his Achilles. And so he, he couldn't train every day. And you think like, at least he needs some kind of fitness to, to play for 90 minutes. But he managed it, you know, all the time he did. And uh, great character, uh, funny guy. Uh, and just especially when I look at his career now, how long he played, which is a miracle to me. Yeah. Uh, but it just shows how, how smart he was and, and, and is and, and, and that he, he knew exactly what he needed in order to play regularly. But... You know, a smart guy, funny guy, and, and I was glad to have him there. And then Ronnie Johnson came on uh, later. Uh, some of these these guys, and Martin Lawson, of course, which wasn't the legend, and he then became when I played with him. Wait for you to go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it was great to see these guys. They they were strong. You need that physicality in in, in the Premier League, and and they represented that. And and Olaf Olaf did, um, and had a marvelous career. I'm going to bring the mood down now. I really don't want to talk about it, but I'm, I'm interested to ask about it. You didn't play in either of the Birmingham City games that, that season. I think you were on the bench for one of them. But that night at St Andrews, it was the first time Birmingham had played Villa in the league for God knows how long. And we got, we got decimated. We lost 3-0. Obviously, we had the Peter Enkelman throwing thing. Hor- horrible atmosphere, horrible night for Villa. But how does a, a, a squad bounce back from, from a night like that? Because it was just, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. What, what was the... The atmosphere like in the change rooms after that game? I can't tell you. I was in the stands. I was with the Villa fans. Um, and, and that was a new experience. Uh, I said to, I think Dean Dublin said it to me, he said, like, don't go to the game. If you're not in a squad, don't go. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's, it's a football game. He said, no, it's different. Okay, it's dangerous. It could be dangerous. And I said, I do not want to miss that game. I, I want to be in the stands. And, and I was. And it was just shocking. You know, you, you watch from there. And, and you see everyone like going home and thinking, you know, this is the worst night you know, I probably can remember. And you have to go back and think, you know, how do we recover from that? I didn't go into the dressing room afterwards, uh, but you can only imagine how bad it was. Um, but you have to, you know, get up again and, and recover and, and play on, which, which we did. But it was pretty, pretty awful. Um, and as I said, I, I wasn't on the pitch, but to see what was going on. And I think afterwards, most people talked about Peter Enkelman and, and the guy running onto the pitch and slapping him in the face. Um, it was just, you could see some of the worst in football, you know, what, what was going on. Derby's games are special. It's a huge difference. 
and, and thankfully I've, I've had times when I played in Germany but the first derby in, in, in England to see that with, with that knowledge having been there and then eventually showing up against Birmingham City is massive you can feel a tension at the training ground in the city that was a special moment but the first impression was like this is not good what's it like when someone makes like a, I mean to be honest the goal shouldn't have stood anyway but what's it like when someone makes such a catastrophic error as, as Enkelman did what's it as a teammate how, how, does he, how does he get treated? Do, do people put their arm around him? Is there people that, that are annoyed? Because it must have been horrendous for him after that because he, he'll be remembered for that forever. That's what he'll be remembered for. How, how do the players like G him up again after something like that? Uh, try as hard as you can uh, because it's it's either talk about something different, talk about fan, how stupid he was and, and yeah. these people who ran onto the pitch or just lift him up again. That was That's the job and, and it happens over and over again as as a, as a good teammate and that's that's what we try to do without remembering every little detail and say that's why we're a team and we encourage him to to continue and you know you know uh, oh we knew he was a good goalkeeper that's why he was in goal and and he had a, a, a career but that's our job managers coaching staff job to say you know we we trust you we believe in you that's football it happens, but the good ones get up again and, and, and perform. And I think that's what we all manage. But it's a, it's a night that we couldn't foresee that way uh, because the defeat and it's the manner in which it happened was pretty pretty bad. I remember not going to school the next day because there was a lot. <laughs> yeah. I'd never heard much from Birmingham City fans because Villa had never replied Birmingham since I'd been on the planet. But then I just couldn't, couldn't bring myself to go to school the next day because they all knew I had season ticket and stuff. I knew I was going to get so much stick. Yeah. So I, I just couldn't go. Didn't go to school. You feeling? I was going to say you feeling guilty, but you didn't play. Did no, you? not his fault. <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, that'd be too easy to say. Well, I didn't play. No, it wasn't my fault because you go into the dressing room uh, the next morning. You know, like we were all in a really, really bad mood. You know, you don't want to go out. It's always when you lose games. You you don't want to be seen. You don't want to meet people. When it's a derby game that you lose, you don't want to be seen for a long time. You have to show up for the next game. And that's beauty again. You know, it doesn't take long for you to repair it, to fix it. And that was it. Because where you were living as well, ton, tons of Villa fans, Villa fans on, on every corner as well. It must, yeah. must be really tough. I think people who are, haven't been footballers don't really appreciate <laughs> that, that side of the game and, and what it's like for footballers. Yeah, but the fans are good in the sense that they say, if you had played, it wouldn't have happened. You know, they're really yeah. kind and, yeah. and you think like, yeah. well, I don't think so, but that's very sweet of you to say that, yeah. yeah. So I brought the mood down, but let's, let's bring it back up. You obviously scored a really, really vital goal in a home game against West Brom just, just before Christmas. That, that one must be one of your best memories in Claret and Blood. It is indeed. When I'm being asked what was your favourite goal and then I think of a goal here that scored at Stuttgart and then the, the one against Blues and I think that was special really it was because it's late on in the game you, that wins the game and I could just feel like jumping up and, and the noise was just so different so loud that you think I love it you know that's the reason why you invest so much as a kid and, and have that dream to become a football player because yeah. when that happens you think like you know the world's mine you love it and it's yeah, I, I say that was one of my best goals I've ever scored um, because of the importance, you know, you talk about a derby game and um, it was really special, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of, I feel like there was a lot of derbies around that period, a lot, a lot of Midlands team in, in the Premier League. Do you, do you think that's the day that you lot put yourself in Villa fans' hearts forever? Probably, yeah. yeah it, it, it helps uh, when you put on a good performance or 
um, do something that fans want to see and, and I'm, I'm happy to say that I scored against Bulls, West Brom. Oh, yeah, you loved it, loved it, obviously. I did, yeah, yeah. And, and we talk about performing in, in, on a big occasion. I think there are big occasions and, and the fact that I scored and, and we won is just so special because the, the, the next week is just so easy. It's like, okay, bring on the next team. Uh, we, we love this. We've got confidence and uh, that's why scoring in Derby games is special. When you did something like that, were you out? I'll walk your dog a bit more after you'd, you'd had a good weekend. There's more, more people coming up to you and uh, thanking you. Yeah, uh, you sort of, yeah, I don't mind being seen in that moment, yeah. you know, okay, I'm here, I'm here for you. And that's a privilege that we have as, as football players when things go the right way, you know, people take notice and, and they want to talk to you about those memories and and that's why football is so powerful. Even years later, people stop you in the street and say, I was at a game, you know, I was there and it was my greatest or one of my greatest memories. It, you see the impact you have on people's lives. It's just phenomenal. Uh, and that was one of those moments because we have live football and you don't know how it's going to end. And then you see this happening. People are, some have already left the stadium. It's like, no, you know, wait for the last ball that's yeah, been... We were down to 10 men, weren't we? Steve Staunton had got <clears> sent off and we were looking like we might lose. I felt like we were struggling to hold on at the time. And then you just pop up with a with the world. Yeah, yeah. Some say it was deflected and so I don't care. It went down, it was accredited <laughs> to you, wasn't it? You, you got it I'd say it. so. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. After, after a goal like that, Thomas, would you like to be out in the city, out and about and being mingling with Villa fans? Is that something that you tried to do after the games, you know, if, if you played well or scored? Well, I wouldn't want to go into a pub full of Villa fans and say, here I am, can you please buy me a drink? That's not the sort of mingling that you want. Uh, but it's, it, it's just like, yeah, let's go out and have a good time, celebrate. You know, you're with the people that you want to be with and you go out and have a drink. So if there's Villa fans, hey, come on, let's have a chat. But it's, of course, not, you know, being out until five in the morning and say, I want to grab the last Villa fan that goes home and say, here I am. It's just the release of the pressure because unless you're winning every week, um, you know, you have good days, bad days. And those are the good days, the special ones. You've got to enjoy them. Um, that's the days you, you're longing for. You have the game, you perform, you're at your best, and then you get the reward, which is three points, good atmosphere in the, in the dressing room, next week in training, great. And maybe a couple of nights out and people say, we loved it, we were there, uh, and that's what we should celebrate. Mm-hmm.